Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Deep from Three, presented by the Athletes Hub. I'm Devin Withers. As always, I am back here with Gary Sutterberger and Isaiah Hansen. Fellas, happy uh, belated Thanksgiving. We were saying before we were a little rusty. I mean, it's been a few weeks since we've been on the show. How are you guys doing over there? I'm doing, okay. doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to do this now. <laughs> Well, I had to shake see. off the rust. I had to I had to shake the hands off when I was when I was getting in the chair today. Yeah, chair got a little squeaky. I I got to boil the thing. <laughs> and it's been a few weeks for us. We've been off the air, spending some time, you know, with our families, with our friends for the holidays. But the NBA hasn't taken a break whatsoever. We missed a lot of action from Luke Walton getting fired from the Kings to the Lakers going down to up to down to up. you just never know. We got a full pack show for you guys. We're gonna be talking about Frank Vogel. Uh, whether he's on the hot seat for the Lakers. You saw that big three for the Lakers the other night all came together for that big win over the Detroit Pistons. But at the same time, there are rumors going around that he could be in a position where he could be out sooner than later. We're also going to be talking about the hottest teams, both in the Eastern and Western Conference. So, boys, let's hop right into it. My L.A. Lakers, we were talking before the season even started. The preview article came out. You know, a few of us said, oh, the Lakers are going all the way to the NBA Finals. The Lakers got this. The Lakers got this. And I tried saying, hey, listen, like, I, I don't know. I, I worry about Russell Westbrook, and I worry about LeBron James's usage ratings. I worry about Anthony Davis being the guy. Um, and now we're, we're starting to see, you know, Frank Vogel could be on his way out. You never know what's going to happen. It's still very early in the season. So, Iz, let's start with you. Do you think that this season Frank Vogel should be on the hot seat? Anytime you're managing the Lakers, as a, as a head coach, you're going to be on the hot seat. But yes, particularly in his case, um, I don't completely blame him. But of course, he will be the fall guy um, moving forward. Because no matter what, you have a roster that consists of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. And you have a pretty good supporting cast with guys like Carmelo Anthony and things of sort. Of course, there were always going to be question marks with this team. We knew that from the beginning. Um, so I don't blame him a ton, but when you see them losing like those, what was it, three overtime quarters with the uh, with the Kings and things of that sort, like those losses will come back to haunt you, and they're just going to send frustration. Um, and then not to mention, he wasn't LeBron James' first pick for a head coach. I think we all remember that. You know, him wanting Ty Lue, and I believe there was other candidates before him. It was more of the Lakers' choice um, as it pertained to him. 
And LeBron James is getting to a point where, you know, he's, are you going to want to extend him? Is he done? What is, you know, what's happening? So he's definitely on the hot seat. Um, I don't see it happening mid season. I just don't know if that's the Lakers style. like, that's like, I feel like that rumor is maybe coming more from the fans who probably want Frank Vogel out of there and they just want a little refresh button because things don't seem to be working. But I think the Lakers are going to let this ride um, right out the season unless like they start losing like 10 in a row or something ridiculous like that. But if they stay the course, I do see them maybe wrapping up the season. If there is an early round uh, exit in the playoffs, and I, I feel like then you will see him be the fall guy and he will be out of his, uh, his spot for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting because, Gary, we're only a couple seasons removed from the Lakers winning that NBA bubble title. You know, fans, I remember the whole entire media was saying, oh, it counts or, you know, it doesn't count. But what, the bubble boys. <laughs> but what's your take? Because the Lakers are in a really interesting spot right now. I mean, they have three superstar players, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. It's not like any of them are scrubs. It's just, you know, they're, they're having a little bit of trouble. So uh, what's your take from all of this? So when I was looking at this question that we, you had proposed to me earlier with Frank Vogel on the hot seat, I'd seen some other podcasts talk about it. One of the things that always was funny to me was just how close, how long ago the Lakers won the NBA championship. It seems like it was a year ago, but it, it literally, like, you know, you think like one season ago, the Bucks won it. And then the last season, the Lakers won it, but it was less than like 14 months ago um, with the shortened schedule that the NBA had with the bubble and then the lengthening of it afterwards with, you know, with the bubble. And then we had to start the season early and then it was a shortened season. So you have the Lakers 13, 14 months removed from an NBA championship with Frank Vogel as their coach. If there's one person that I thought in the Lakers atmosphere that really messed this up for them would have been Rob Palenka. The Westbrook trade wasn't loved by so many people. Um, it was in regards it had it seemed to have backfired a little bit just with the slow start and the fit with LeBron. I personally, if you've watched the show or if you've read our articles, you know that I was a pretty big, I was hype on Westbrook in LA. Um, it didn't really click like I wanted it to, but I really think the issue that we have now is that other than Carmelo Anthony, the supporting cast for this Lakers team isn't as good as it was in previous years. Um, and I really do think that most of that blame can be put on how much Rob Palenka was giving up during the Westbrook trade. He gave up three decent defenders in Montrez Harrell, um, KCP, and Kyle Kuzma. And I know Devin's rolling his eyes when I say Kyle Kuzma is a decent defender, but go look at the stats. He's not like terrible, and he's a big dude that you can put on wings that so that LeBron and Anthony Davis don't have to fight against the best guy on that team. So that you know, instead of it being LeBron getting elbowed in the face by, or sorry, uh, instead of uh, LeBron elbowing Isaiah Stewart in the face, you have maybe Kuzma guarding him on that possession instead. Just guys that they can throw at the dogs on the other team that they're going to have to deal with. That being said, um, it's LeBron James's team. Anything could happen. I personally think like a second round exit is as much as this team is going to get to, but it really just boils down to LeBron James needs to be on the court more. He was, he missed some games this season and when he's playing their <laughs> offense is really good. The issue I have with Frank Vogel is as a defensive minded coach, you're 18th in defense and 29th in opponent <laughs> points per game. That's not good. That's really not good. And you saw him try to emphasize it early with Avery Bradley and Kent Bazemore playing significant minutes and Trevor Ariza having some, you know, they're trying to get him back to play. 
But I, I personally think most of this fault can fall on the front office in LA. I, I don't know what you think, Devin, as someone who, uh, you know, cries over this team probably in some nights when you see a lapsed defensive possession. But uh, what, what do you, what are your thoughts on Frank Vogel's? Uh, I, I guess how long he can last here if this keeps up. So this is what's interesting about the Lakers this year because anybody that knows Frank Vogel knows that Frank Vogel when he came in. He everybody was under the assumption that he's a defensive minded head coach. The Los Angeles Lakers won that NBA title just a few seasons ago, not because they had LeBron James or Anthony Davis, so they're outscoring everybody. This was a team that won, prided themselves on their ability to defend. And look at what they did, you know, getting rid of plus defenders such as KCP, such as Danny Green, such as Alex Caruso. Over the offseason, these were guys not necessarily putting up, you know, over 20 points per game, but they were very good perimeter defenders. And that's how the Los Angeles Lakers won these games. And now this season, the Lakers are spending a lot of time looking at these analytics and these net ratings. And the Lakers actually, in the recent report today, Frank Vogel is going off and saying that the Lakers might actually start LeBron James as their center at the five spot just to be able to play small ball a little bit, which essentially would take DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard both out of the starting rotation. And now the Los Angeles Lakers are saying, well, you can't play both DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard in the second unit. And so now they're pushing Dwight Howard out completely right now is what it sounds like. So DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard are now going back and forth on giving each other advice on what it's like to not be even in the starting rotation. Because these were two guys that were critical to teams that they've been in in the past. Um, So it's interesting because the Lakers – you know, when they look at their net ratings and when they played LeBron James at the center position, they've done it twice this season. And it came in wins over the 9-13 and 13 Indiana Pacers, and that was when Anthony Davis was out with an illness. And it was also against that 4-16 and 16 Pistons team. Like, these aren't teams that they're, you know, cruising by that have playoff experience or have championship aspirations this year. LeBron's already missed 11 games this season, and we're only, you know, what, 21, 22 games into the regular season. So it is a little bit alarming. I know Frank Vogel, he's a little bit constrained because obviously you need your players on the floor to do well. But over the offseason, I mean, Gary, Gary put it perfectly. Like, they they got rid of their plus defenders, and then they brought on guys that either aren't playing, like a Trevor Ariza or um, all those kind of guys, or they're going off. And, you know, the part that's most alarming to me right now is that the Lakers actually have one of the softest schedules to open the season. They've already played Houston twice. They've already played OKC twice. And they've already played Detroit twice. And yet they're not one of the top seeds in the West you know, even with just Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, this is a team that I don't know if they're really built for that championship run right now. The The injury bug is already hitting very early on. They're struggling in their own conference play. So it, I don't know if it's Frank Vogel, but I mean, we've seen LeBron James teams in the past. When it comes down to my team is struggling, who do you, who do you pin it on first? It's either your surrounding superstars or it's going to be your head coach. And unfortunately, I, I don't know if Frank Vogel is going to last this whole entire season, um, especially at this rate. But 
Gary said it best. The Lakers might be primed for a second round exit and that's being very optimistic. So Isaiah, I'm, I'm definitely curious with you. Where do you think the Lakers are going to end up this season? Is this a team that, cause I know you were talking very early on, this is a team that can still go to the NBA finals, but now that we're a little deeper into the season, you still had those same hopes. So the Lakers still an well, NBA finals contender. Well, remember, remember I said they would be a deep playoff team. I definitely didn't see them going to the finals. I feel like they're going to run into somebody, some team. You know, that Golden State Warriors team that I was talking about early on in the season, the one that's, what are they, like 17-2? and two. So that threat was always there. I always felt that way. Um, but I say we shouldn't be worried. And I still stand by what I said. We shouldn't be worried about them in a the sense of, like, getting to the playoffs. They're going to get there by hook or by crook. They're going to get there. Um, now, where I am, because before I was saying, look, they're going to get at least maybe to the Western Conference Finals. I'm not even sure they could win a playoff series, depending on who they face. It, it just it really depends on their opponent at this point. You know, if they go ahead and they somehow get matched up with Golden State or uh, Phoenix or a team of like, like like that in the first round, I'm not positive they could get out of there. I'm, I'm, I, there's a couple of teams I can name that could knock off the Lakers. So in other words, the Lakers are no longer really my favorites. I mean, they were – Top two favorites for me was like Golden State Lakers, and I think I had uh, Utah in there at one point. Um, now I'm I'm thinking fifth seed, sixth seed, like you know, as far as like favoritism in the West. So yeah, I'm not even sure they're getting out of the first round. If they happen to get to the second round, that that's really it for me. I, I don't see them going much farther just because they're so. It's almost directionless. This team is because like they all could put up numbers. Westbrook's gonna get his triple doubles. Um, but they haven't really played together yet. I really want to see LeBron be healthy for a little while. Again, I'm not really too concerned about him either because this is a playoff team. Like I call it the regular season for them early on. It's like an extended preseason. They're just going to have to figure out how to work together. But I still don't know if, if – I, I had them maybe just getting stopped by Golden State or Utah, but now I can just name a couple of teams in the West. And As far as the NBA Finals, that seems like a prayer. I, I definitely don't see them winning a championship this year. It's interesting too, because the Lakers, like I said before, like this was a team a couple seasons ago, they were built around their defense, but it almost seems like with their current roster, they're built to like outscore certain teams. And, you know, when you're, you're playing that way, you're not going to win every game. Nobody's expecting you to go, you know, 73 and whatever. Um, like this is a team though, that is capable of still going to the playoffs. I think we can all agree on that. I think they'll find their way to get to the playoffs. Um, but Isaiah, I mean, it's not the hottest take in the world that the Lakers might be, you know, a first round exit. Once again, you just don't know. It, it definitely depends on what the matchups are looking like. And, you know, Russell Westbrook second in turnovers with 4.7 per game. That's nothing unusual. Russell Westbrook usually with his usage rating, he's, he's that high anyways. LeBron, when he does play, you know, he's eighth in turnovers per game. So you have two of the top 10 players when it comes to just turning the ball over and not capitalizing on possessions. And I'll ask you guys this. So I'll name these list of players and you tell me, you know, what all these players have in common. Luka Doncic, Paul George, or Giannis, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, and Steph Curry. You guys know what all of those guys have in common? Ooh. They all could be LeBron James in the, in the NBA well, Finals this year. Well, that's, that's true. It's true. Wow. But all these guys, Luka Doncic, Paul George, Giannis, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, those are the top six usage ratings 
in the NBA right now. Remember really early into the season, I said my first concern was I wasn't sure who the primary ball handler for the Los Angeles Lakers was going to be when it's Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook's alone with the ball in his hands. I mean, he single-handedly carried teams before to the playoffs. You know, LeBron James has done it year in and year out. Anthony Davis has experience doing it as well. All those guys are capable of doing it. But the problem is, you know, Luka, the Mavericks, are in a very promising position right now. Paul George, a team that we were concerned about early on in the season just because we weren't sure what was going to go on with the Los Angeles Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. They're also in a promising position. Giannis, we already he's know what's it. going on with the Bucs. I mean, Trey Young, he's carrying the Hawks. Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz are doing what they're doing. Steph Curry, we're going to be talking about Definitely. the Warriors in a little bit. And the problem is the Lakers don't have a primary ball handler handler. And their highest usage rating right now is Russell Westbrook, but he's 16th in the NBA. That's so unlike Russell Westbrook. Um, mm -hmm. And what's funny is that Anthony Davis is three spots behind that at 19th in the league. So you have two guys that are almost like splitting 50-50 with the ball. And this goes without LeBron James, even in the top 20 in the NBA when it comes to usage rating. So the Lakers are playing very unorthodox right now, but I, I think yeah. we're all I think we're all on the same page right there. So right yeah. now, so it, it's yeah. going to be interesting. You know, I do want to say, oh, no, yeah. you go for it. You go for no, it. Right? Just a quick, I, you know, like a, for a wrestling term or like, it's almost like the team is like, it's like a spot fest. Like everybody's going to get their points. Everybody's going to do their thing. But it's like, are they built to win games like over mm -hmm. a long stretch of time? That's my main concern. So I, I, it's almost like a spot fest. They're going to get their points. And by the way, as far as usage rate goes, that's the jury's still kind of out on that because LeBron James hasn't really been able to uh, establish himself with Westbrook yet. So that's still a question mark moving forward, you know. Mm -hmm. so, and for yeah, sure, yeah. The, the the one thing that I wanted to point out was that the Lakers are best when they play in transition. You got mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook, you got LeBron James, you got athletic freak Anthony Davis, you got Taylor Horton Tucker, you got all these guys, DeAndre Jordan, who are gonna run to the basket quick as they can. Their off-court, their, their off-court, wow, their half-court offense isn't as amazing as it could be because of this reason alone. Their defense, like I mentioned earlier, when you don't make stops on the defensive end and your best aspect of your offense is your transition opportunities, you limit yourself with the bad defense. Once, Anytime a team scores a basket and you got to go take that thing out of the on the other side of the court, bring it up the court. I've seen videos. I've, I mean, I've watched the games, Russell Westbrook running up as quick as he can to try to make a little pass to the guy in the wing, Carmelo Anthony, make a, maybe a little action, a pick and roll, get a, get a quick bucket. But there's a, there's a severe lack of like trying on defense, which leads to your best aspect on offense, having a lot less possessions per game than you actually want there to be. And that's yeah. it. I mean, like really the, the Lakers that that would be, if I were Frank Vogel looking at, what I can do to better my team is get transition opportunities by getting defensive stops, be better at guarding players on the perimeter, because if you're going to take LeBron James and make him your center, unless this is 2K, it's not a viable option to just have LeBron James in the paint all the time. He's 37, yeah. right? Am I crazy? 36, yeah, 37 years old? Yeah, he's old. Injury issues. Yeah, exactly, too. He's, he's, getting, he's not playing as much as he used to. He used to be Mr. Iron Man, taking a couple of games <laughs> off. But now he's he's having those injury issues. So, yeah, I I hope for basketball's sake that the Lakers are can figure out a way because we were talking about this earlier uh, this year is that basketball is better when the Lakers and the Knicks and um, like it's better when they're when they're good teams. So, yeah, and and I just want to mention the most important thing about the Lakers season 
okay, if the Knicks are not able to make it to the finals, which I don't suspect they will, they have Carmelo Anthony, man. Get this man a ring. Don't get me wrong. I'm rooting <laughs> for the Lakers for Carmelo Anthony, but I just, I I'm just sorry, can't. Devin, I brought him up. Otherwise. I'm hey, sorry, we weren't even, we were even talking about this. <laughs> we weren't even talking about the same conference, and, and this nope. man brings up the New York Knicks. So every episode, he brings up the New York Knicks. He just has to find a way, you know. But listen, from talking about teams that are struggling in the Western Conference, we're going to be talking about teams that you know have a lot less issues on their hand. We were talking a few days ago about you know what do we want to do for a topic for the show, and Gary made a great point. He said we got to talk about the Phoenix Suns, and you know I know you know Is has been talking about the Warriors before the season even started about the hot run that they were going to go on. And here we are. So boys, I, I want to know the answer. What's the hotter team in the Western conference right now? Is it the golden state warriors or is it the Phoenix suns? Gary, let's start with you. I am going to pick and go with the Phoenix Suns for fear of getting uh, attacked by Isaiah after the show. If I do not let him talk about his warriors, um, from just in general, it's kind of remarkable that the Suns have reached, reached the finals in July and then have continued to like, they had a little bit of a slow start. They were like one and three in their first four. And then they've been on fire since then. Their 16 game winning streak. That's not even a lie. Like that's not even like exaggerating 16 games. They haven't won or they haven't lost since before Halloween against, of course, the Kings who, if Luke Walton had any you know, job security was I'm the last team to beat the Suns. Um, they're 17 and three. Uh, we, we've seen their pace increase since they've had their losing woes at the beginning of the year. They're fourth in pace. They're seventh in offensive rating and third in defensive rating. They have the third best net rating in the league. And that's with the first three games, them uh, crap in the bed. It, it hasn't been, it hasn't been great at the beginning, but then the moment they got a little bit of firepower, they figured out what was going on, bam, they they shot out of it like a cannon. With one more win, the Suns would tie their franchise record with 17 consecutive victories, and they'll get the chance to do that on Tuesday night against the Warriors. So that'll be a fun matchup, Tuesday night, Warriors-Suns. Um, it's also the third longest win streak in NBA history for a team that reached the finals and lost last year. I know that's a very cherry-picked stat, but I thought it was cool. Um, you got Devin Booker averaging 25 points. You've got Mikhail Bridges showing like how much of a versatile defensive player he is. He's just so good on that end of the court. It's absurd to me that the 76ers <laughs> let this guy go. Um and uh, I, I, you know what? I, I just, I just don't. Or was it the Hornets? I'm wrong. Whatever it is, it, it, he got traded on draft night. It was insane to me that that happened, even in general. So, um, yeah, Chris Paul back doing Chris Paul things, being a pest. You've seen him be an, an absolute monster on defense this year. DeAndre Ayton not caring that he didn't get the big contract extension that he wanted and proven to us all. I just think the Phoenix Suns are super impressive, and I, and I think the 16 game win streak speaks for itself. And um, I'm excited to see what they do against the better, the second or first best team in the league with the golden state warriors on Tuesday. And Isaiah, I know, I mean, I think we can all appreciate what the Suns and the warriors are providing to the NBA and especially to the Western conference. There's been an argument, you know, for years, the Western conference has always been better than the East. And uh, you know, this year, I don't really think any it looks any different. I mean, we can discuss it as time goes on, but 
these two teams have two of the best records in the NBA. But is are you on board? Do you think the Suns are the best team? Or are you sticking firm with your Warriors? Look, I, I don't mean to discredit what the Phoenix Suns are doing, okay? Like, they came into the season, they started off pretty uh, slow, and they found it. And, you know, I, I was worried there'd be, like, a little bit of a hangover after their deep playoff run. So, and by the way, I just said, um, you know, as far as the Lakers go, I feel like the Suns would be able to knock them off. So, I do give them lots of credit. But, of course, I'm going with the Golden State Warriors. I said it from the beginning, okay? I said, look, this team is going to be just as good as they were right before KD got there. And they might even be better than that. <laughs> we're, like, they, we're talking about a 7-3-9 record that they had. Right now, they're 17-2, and two, okay? I understand there's tougher games that lie ahead. I'm not saying they're going to re-break their record. But, look, they're doing this with Steph Curry and everybody that understands their role everybody understands what they're there to do unlike the lakers like the lakers have more talent than golden state does but the warriors are so well oiled you have steph curry steph curry has an effect on the team i feel like out of everybody that plays the game today he just opens up a different door for you that nobody else can provide the way he spreads the floor the way he with his ball head on his driving skills and hello he's the greatest shooter of all time um, no question about that, right? I'm, I'm right. Am I right? Am I right? No, no, there is no question. So, I will okay. fight anybody who thinks otherwise. Yes, thank you so much. Meet me in the okay. parking so lot. Indeed, <laughs> me too. On site. So, and look, remember one thing I said early on. I said, look, I know the Warriors are going to be good, but I'm wondering, this doesn't have to, anything to do with them being hot, but I just want to make a point. How much better they would get when Clay Thompson comes back. Now I'm like kind of scared as a Knicks fan. I'm like, okay, we, they may have this thing locked up for for a while. I feel like they're they have to be favorites, by the way. Now, and that little quick hot take, you know, I had the Bucks winning on early on into the season. I didn't think the Warriors would come on this hot, this fast, this quick. I got the Golden State Warriors winning the whole thing this year. So they're not only the hottest team, but they're about to get hotter once Clay Thompson returns, and they still got James Wiseman in the, in the lurking in the corner. This is a real team. This is not just a hot team. This is who the Warriors are, and this is what they're going to be continuing moving forward. Yeah, it, it's interesting too. So they're eight. They're eighteen and two. So don't even don't even shave them off of a win. They're not seventeen and two. Is they're eighteen and two? But listen, this is a team, and I I, I agree with you. I would say between the two, uh, both are equally impressive. I think both are going to be very deep playoff runs. They could see each other in that Western Conference Finals and. Man, what a matchup that would be. Um, basketball reference is already jumping the gun. They're giving Steph Curry a 66.1% probability of winning the NBA MVP already Absolutely. this year, and it, it's just not close. And obviously that ladder is going to continue to change with Steph Curry doing what you know we know him best for, and that's hitting shots from deep. It's like video game-like. He is going to go down as one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game. I don't know if I would ever put him up against my guy, Magic Johnson, but, I mean, that's that's an entirely – I know, I know. Trust me. He's top – He's top. I'm from in my book, Steph Curry is top three already. That's Easily. Just my yeah, opinion. I agree. Easily top three. Just, I mean, like, there's going to be some 65-year-old man who saw Walt Frazier play and yell at me, but, um, yeah, I, I really don't care. Like, <laughs> like it, it, he's amazing. He's the greatest shooter of all time. And, yeah, let – don't give, no Don't give me no idea. Don't give me no ideas. Call your, call him up. Tell, I'll, I'll give you my address. Tell him where to find me. <laughs> and it is makes a great point too about Clay Thompson. Like, imagine how good this team's going to be when Clay Thompson comes back. It actually just came out 
earlier today or it might have been yesterday that the Warriors just assigned Clay Thompson to their G League uh, team over in Santa Cruz to start rehabbing his injury. They also sent James Wiseman over there as well. So you're getting not one but two players that are going to continue to develop until they're fully healthy, until they're fully active. You know, it's going to be amazing. But during this stretch already, the Warriors are second in offensive rating. They're also first in defensive rating and they're first in net rating. So, I mean, the ceiling is right there for the Warriors. I mean, you can't get much better than they've been already. I don't know if I'm ready to sign, seal, deliver them as my NBA Finals pick. I still think I'm holding on strong with my Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert costing me money during my player prop. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, we're we're going back in there. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of the West this year, how the storylines continue to change. But yeah, I think you guys make great points for both the Suns and the Warriors. And Christmas this year, Christmas game, Phoenix, Phoenix, Golden State, December 25th, 5 p.m. Could we see the return of Clay Thompson on Christmas? That would be um uh, that's my gift to you isaiah i i didn't do it but i'm gonna claim that just by giving you that knowledge that's happening very we might need, we might need to get a, get a live reaction going for that game i man. think so hey i'll put a hold grandma i'm sorry i can't come to dinner we're watching <laughs> sons warriors yes. yeah it, it's interesting too so we'll shift from the west and we'll go right over to the east because the east is sort of messy it's not like i look at it i've been watching this whole entire season as many games as i can and we were talking about you know whether Kyrie was going to come back to the brooklyn nets and you know he has it and there's no sign that he is going to anytime soon if at all this season um but the question that we sort of proposed was who's the hottest or the best team in the east is it the nets or is it someone else in the field like there's no second comparison i feel like you know even the nets with their you know, number one spot in the Eastern Conference solidifies them as somewhat of a powerhouse, but I still think it's up for debate. So, Gary, let's let's bounce it over to you. Do you think that the Nets are the best team in the East, or do you think someone else, you know, is going to eventually overtake that? Well, when you're looking at records right now, you would you wouldn't really expect this team. Like when you were just looking at the straight record, you wouldn't expect the Milwaukee Bucks to be my answer here. Although, if you've paid attention, their last couple of games. The Bucs are 7-0 since Chris Middleton has returned to the lineup and 9-0 on the season when they've had Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis all playing. Two weeks ago, they were 6-8, and and now they're just two games behind the last column of the Nets. Um, and also, in that span, they've had a 91, 98.9 points allowed per 100 possessions, the best in the league, over their last seven-game win streak. And last five games have also been the Bucks' best offensive stretch of the season. They're not just winning games, though. They're, they, they've led by at least 20 points um, in, over their last six games. And over their last five, they this is one of my favorite ones. Over their last five games, they have only trailed 183 seconds. <laughs> That's it. Imagine playing five games of basketball and for just over, I guess what would be at just over three minutes, that's all you've been losing. It's insane to me how good the Milwaukee Bucks can be when all of their players are on the court. And I know that the Brooklyn Nets have just had, um, have you know, the Kyrie issues. They've had James Harden coming on slow and they're still pretty good with the loss of Joe Harris for four to eight weeks. He's getting um, some bone particles taken out of his left foot. 
Um, I'm not quite sure how much they're going to keep up with their thing. I mean, I always, I always uh, give Kevin Durant as much credit as I can. He's the possibly the greatest score I've ever witnessed with my two eyes. So you can't ever fault them for what they're going to be in the future because they have Kevin Durant, but the Milwaukee Bucks have that gas. They're coming in fire right now. And I don't see them losing as many games when they have all of their players on the court. <laughs> this team is electric when everyone's there. Yeah, it's interesting. The Bucks. It, it would be really interesting to see them make another run back mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference and take home, you know, a back-to-back title. We talked about this early on in the season. I know their favorites. I'm surprised you didn't go with your Miami Heat. They're they're right back up there with everybody else. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I have to represent a little bit today, but really more so. I wanted to talk about the Bucks because we haven't really touched on them too much this season, other than um, at the beginning when we when I was picking my title favorites for the year. As much as my roommate, who is a giant Heat fan, with me hates me for that, I did pick the Bucks to win the title this year. Um, they're a great team. There, there's nothing about it that. Um, made me feel any worry when they were when they had such a slow start at the season and it was because of injuries four of their five starters were out of significant time um but yeah they've just been so good over the last two weeks that I can't find any reason not to talk about them as much as I want to plug the Miami Heat as much as I can and my absolute struggle with watching Gabe Vincent play basketball that's the probably the only time we'll talk about him on this podcast but um you know, I I love this Bucks team for what they bring to the court in terms of defense, in terms of uh, like continuity as a team, cohesiveness, how they've been able to carry over the run from the finals last year, even with their injuries into a really good regular season. I know some people thought they might coast a little bit to try to get healthy during the final or for the finals run this season, but it seems that they're back in full stride the way that they used to be. Yeah, and you know we'll, we'll hop over from you to someone that I I, I hope he's not going to try to plug his own team as the Knicks, saying that the Knicks are the best team in the East. But is go ahead, tell me who do you think the best team in the East is? I'd love to, man. I'd love to go with the Knicks, but I, I'm not going to do it. Okay, look, look. <sighs> it's hard for me to do this, okay? Because this is like you know we're in New York. And you know you got the, you know us Yankee fans. We don't we don't rock with the Met fans, and us Nick fans. We like to clown on the Net fans, right? I can't go with the Knicks as much as I would love to make an argument. I'm inclined to in- agree with Gary as far as like I believe the Bucks will be in the finals this year, but you have to give it to the Nets. This so right so far so far right now. At this moment, as it stands, okay, they're doing the most, they're doing like at the minimum of what they are capable of right now. Mm -hmm. And they have the best record in the East, okay? Kevin Durant, like you said, he's probably, you know, I'm inclined to go Kobe Bryant, but you could, we could argue about that one as far as like the best scores, as far as how the people that we watched. I've got to go with the Nets, man. They have the best record in the, in the Mm -hmm. league. Kevin Durant is probably playing individually at least some of the best basketball we've seen like you said james harden hasn't really been james harden he's been a quiet version of him and they're still winning games they still have the best record in the east now as it stands i feel like they could end up having the best record if kevin durant stays healthy they could possibly be the top seed once the season is all said and done with um 
Now, the only reason why I wouldn't pick him for the NBA Finals is because I don't know if they're going to elevate. I think they have to elevate just a little bit so they could mm-hmm. top the Bucks when it comes to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got to go with the Brooklyn Nets. I don't. It started. I'm really starting to doubt Kyrie's coming back at all this season. I don't. I don't know if I see that happening at all. Um, if remember they remember when I said two weeks. Yeah. Remember when I said two weeks. I find that clear. Yeah. And I, I thought he would come back too. Like I thought eventually, you know, he would maybe like there would be like a rule that would benefit him in coming back. It hasn't happened. So the the Nets are the best team as it stands. I still don't have them as my favorite to get to the NBA Finals, but you got to give it to them, man. They're doing the minimum, and they're they have the best record. That's that's really that's my main argument. That's about as far as we could go there. Yeah, and they're doing so- all of that without uh, Blake Griffin doing anything on offense, like. Mm-hmm shooting terribly from three, he's not doing great, and they're still able to score as much as they are and win as much as they are. Sorry, I interrupted you, Devin. I, I didn't mean to do that. I apologize. I'm no. sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are good. You guys are good. Yeah, and it, it, it's a great segue because Blake Griffin, I was looking at it early on, and I'm wondering, well, why aren't the Nets just running over everybody, aside from the obvious of Kyrie Irving's just not there? I remember one of the, it might have been the first or the second episode that we were all talking about Who's going to come back first? Is it going to be uh, Ben Simmons or is it going to be Kyrie Irving? And now it's sort of like, are Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving going to play at all this whole entire season? And it's looking more and more like that answer is going to be no. Uh, And it's interesting that Gary brings up Blake Griffin. He's been absolutely dog water. Um, <laughs> you can join the dog water club right next to Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma has uh, been good. I will not let you slander this man anymore. Oh, he has been goodness. very decent for the Washington Wizards. He's not a star, but he has been decent. Continue. This, this man, I was, looking at, I was looking at anyone who follows me on Twitter at Devin Withers, T-A-H for the Athletes Hub, um, knows that I'm doing these daily prop bets and Kyle Kuzma. I don't even know why I'm talking about Kyle Kuzma, but his <laughs> under was 13.5 points and i still didn't feel confident enough to go ahead and put the over on him but i also That's don't good. want the under yeah because i don't need him you know taking my money you know That's so your inner conscience. That's your inner conscience. <laughs> you know the truth <laughs> but talking about the nets they've been a very slow team to start these games uh there's an interesting article that i read that had to do with teams in the first six minutes of the first quarter and the nets are actually one of the worst teams along with the Celtics, they are two of the worst teams when it comes to the first six minutes of the first quarter. Um, you know, Blake Griffin, I guess the the silver lining at all is that the Nets did bring back LaMarcus Aldridge. So now Aldridge is taking um, Blake Griffin's spot in the starting rotation. So, you know, I talked about this very early on, why I felt like the Nets were going to be the favorite it was because they were the team that had the most depth inside the nba when a guy went down or a guy went absent or when a guy started struggling there was someone to go plug in for that player i had the nets as my favorite still in the east and then all of a sudden i had to change my notes up today because it said joe harris in one report said he was considering coming back as early as next week with a sprained ankle and now we're talking about undergoing surgery and like gary said he's out for four to eight weeks and he's actually the team's most effective shooter when it comes to effective field goal percentage 
in the first six minutes of the first quarter of this season, he shoots with a 92.6% when it comes to effective field goal shots. That's insane. That's astronomical. That's better than anybody in the NBA. And then all of a sudden you get guys like um, James Harden, uh, that have been booed by his own fans for turnovers that you knew you were going to sign on to go get. You knew James Harden's the league leader in turnovers every single year. This man is like going to have the NBA record for le- leading the league in turnovers. It's crazy. Um, Blake Griffin, uh, when we talk about the field goal percentage, effective field goal shooting inside the first six minutes of the first quarter, Blake Griffin is the complete opposite. He shoots 31% when it comes to effective field goal percentage through the opening six minutes of the first quarter. That's the third worst mark among 131 qualifying players. It is absolute garbage. That's Uh, nasty. That's disgusting. We're not talking about a shooter here. We're talking back to the basket kind of guy. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's gross. I hate that. Yeah, this is a team, you know, they have a negative 1.9 net rating across that first six minutes of the first quarter. That's the 25th best mark in the NBA. It's not good whatsoever. Bottom of the barrel. And so this is a team that I've had my concerns about in the past. I've also been very high on them in the past. It's, you know, they're like the the Lakers of the Eastern Conference. And I just, I don't know, James Harden, very, very slow to get off. I'm not sure if this is my team that's going to represent the East. But I do think, you know, when you have a player like Kevin Durant, like Gary said, it's hard to, you know, undermine them or push them aside and say, ah, they're going to get knocked out of the playoffs. It's not like we're talking about LeBron James, who's going to have his 37th birthday next month. I mean, this is a player who I would consider the best. I would consider him the best player in the NBA. I think I would go as far as say that this man is a freak of nature. He's, you know, got that amazing wingspan, has the ability to shoot from deep, has the ability to hit his free throws. He does a little bit of everything. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether the Nets are going to be able to rely on their depth because I don't think starting guys like Patty Mills or starting guys like LaMarcus Aldridge when it comes to playoff time is going to necessarily be enough to bump out teams like, you know, Gary's Miami Heat, probably knocking out Isaiah's uh, New York Knicks. But, you know, it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens as the season progresses and as these injuries become bigger concerns. Do you think that um, do you think that with the Nets injury concerns with Joe Harris going down, of course, that limits their opportunities in the regular season. But we've seen a lot of these teams. I just wanted to transition into this conversation in general with um, players getting injured recently. Um, You know, we have a bunch of players coming back from injuries, of course, on the Nets. And we have a bunch of players like um, uh, Joe Harris, who are going undergoing surgery. We've got Michael Porter Jr., uh, missing time right now because of a back issue and he's going under surgery um, and to not bring up the Knicks again, but Kemba Walker after having his knees explode on him after the last two seasons has just been taken out of the starting lineup for Alec Burks. So I'm, I'm nervous in terms of Kevin Durant and James Harden, how much of the load on offense with all these other guys going down Kevin Durant isn't far removed from a really bad leg injury. Let's not forget that he had missed in the entire season two years ago. Uh, are, are we concerned with the load that Kevin Durant gets in this aspect with all these players not playing up to standard? Uh, do, do we see maybe him 
slip towards March, towards April, when they need him the most to make that late playoff push for, or the make regular season push to get number one seed in the playoffs. I'm just generally concerned about how much of the load we can put on Kevin Durant at this point in his career with the injuries that he's had. You are 1000% correct with saying that. And that's exactly why I don't have the Nets as my favorites for the NBA finals. If I thought that Kevin Durant was going to be able to keep up this level of play. And then if James Harden could just step it up a little bit, I wouldn't be so confident in saying that I think the Bucks are definitely going to make the NBA finals. Um, but because there's so much stress that you're putting onto him, um, his, he's not, like you said, he's not a spring chicken. He's not, you know, he's not in his twenties anymore. Um, and he's just had injury issues even last year, you know, a lot of time missed like little nagging injury stuff. So, um, so yeah, you're 1000% correct. And, um, by the way, I just really quick, you know, Dev, like that was really unnecessary bringing up the Knicks there. Like they just really didn't have to. Okay. Like, um, leave the unnecessary Nick bringups to me. Okay. And Gary, I'll let you slide a little bit with that little Nick. I'm trying to fill showtime, man. I just was, I got read okay. it up. I'm looking at the okay. time, looking at headlines. Listen. <laughs> so I'm going to let it slide. But anyway, yes, I, I am concerned about the, uh, his, uh, his workload. Yeah, and listen, guys, like we said, it's going to be very interesting. I, I'm not sure if I necessarily think I'm 1,000% on board. It might actually be the opposite approach because a lot of these other teams only have a single superstar to carry that whole entire weight. I mean, um, you know, knock on wood, Jason Tatum stays healthy for the Celtics, but, I mean, you saw what happened when Jalen Brown went down with an injury. Like, the Celtics all of a sudden don't look as good as they used to, like – it, I hate to bring it up, but like it is knock on wood. What would happen if Julius Randle went, you know, down with an injury? Like the Knicks would be nowhere where they are right now. What would happen to the to the Hawks? Who knows? That was they, Trey they just They just got, they just won against, I believe it was the Hawks in MSG <laughs> with Julius Randle playing like, to quote Devin, dog water. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I mean like that's just, that's just, me defending Julius Randle or defending the Knicks, I guess. Um, I'll stop doing that. That's Isaiah's job. No, no, um, no, you know, please, there's a job please. shortage right now. I is, I'm, I'm sorry to take yours. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's welcome. <laughs> yeah, and I, I so I think it's going to be interesting because, like we said, I think there's a little bit less pressure on the Nets as there are other, are other teams. I think the Nets, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, people are considering them not so much of a juggernaut anymore. Everyone thought, you know, oh my gosh, like James Harden, Kevin Durant still on the same team is going to absolutely <laughs> blow everybody out of the water. But, you know, if anything were to happen to Kevin Durant, I think James Harden is eventually going to balance himself out. He hasn't been playing well this season whatsoever. Career lows in a lot of different categories just hasn't been himself you know, that we've seen like in the past on, on the Houston Rockets. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And I think we can all agree it's a lot murkier in the, in the Eastern conference than it is in the Western conference. Western conference looks really, really good right now. A lot of different teams looking really good. And, you know, the Eastern conference, it's, you know, it's sort of like a blind shot in the dark right here. Um, it was really weird with the the Wizards got off to a really good start. The Heat did, and now they're seven and six in their last thirteen. You got the Bulls looking super promising, and then having a couple of steps back with with uh, Crusoe being out of the lineup and stuff. Uh, you know, it, the the East is just like throw a dart. I mean, really, just throw as many darts yeah. as you can because you might you might end up with the first seed, you know, or the the third or fourth seed. You never know. Um, an injury happens, and all of a sudden, like last year, you've got the the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, 
absolutely. Definitely getting as- proud of these. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as we wrap up our fifth episode, obviously we want you guys to check out theathleteshub.org. We also want you guys to check all of us out on Twitter. You can see it right below here in the banners. Um, be sure to check out all of our material. As we wrap up the show, I want to sort of bounce back to an incident that happened between LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart. It caught a frenzy on social <laughs> media. We haven't been on air for a while, but a lot of people were really concerned about whether the suspensions were justified. Maybe LeBron James needed a few more games tacked on. Maybe Isaiah Stewart needed a few more games tacked on. I mean, they were suspended for a combined three games in what could have very well been one of the craziest incidents I've seen over the last few years. I mean, I mean, aside from like Cat and Joel Embiid throwing down, I mean, this one had physical blood coming out of Isaiah Stewart. So let's just wrap up here really quick. Gary, what's your final take from what the NBA decided to do dealing with that suspension? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, so I've seen people describe it as a fight. To me, it was more so like a, uh, like a kerfuffle. Like, like some people just like fighting, but not really just like pushing, shoving. Of course, you know, LeBron got Isaiah in the face. Um, but uh, no, Isaiah Stewart, not you. Um, so, you know, we, we, I would love to see, I'd pay per view for that. Um, but really, no. The way that I look at it is you got to justify it with other suspensions that have happened in the NBA. A couple of years ago, uh, Andrew Bynum just absolutely elbows J.J. Barea on a layup, and he only gets five games. Uh, it was the last game of the season in the in the playoffs, and so then um, he was fined five. He was suspended five games at the beginning of the next season. Um, I didn't see this becoming anything big. You saw Morris and Jokic got into a fight on the Heat Nuggets game, which actually tonight is the rematch of that, which will be really fun. Um, but, you know, the Adam Silver sets a precedent of what he allows at games and what the NBA will allow. And two games for Isaiah Stewart, to me, felt like about what it was going to be based on his adamacy of getting towards the Lakers bench and getting towards LeBron, going through the back of the tunnel. Um, he never really, like... I, I don't feel like Isaiah Stewart actually was going to beat somebody up. I felt a lot like, yeah, he looks like he's going to, but you never really know. Um, yeah. I thought two games was fine, and I thought one game for LeBron was pretty much damage control, so the NBA didn't have to act like they're giving LeBron James favoritism. What's ironic, too, is I remember the narrative of LeBron James, especially on networks like ESPN. The first narrative was LeBron James never gets injured. And then all of a sudden, like the past couple of seasons, like he's missing all these games. And then it's all of a sudden LeBron James has never, you know, gotten uh, like ejected from a game. All of a sudden, last last season, I think it was LeBron James got ejected from from a game. And all of a sudden now it's like, oh, LeBron James is – you know, he would never do something like this. <laughs> the video shows he clearly threw an elbow. Whether he oh, yeah. ended on hitting him, you know, right below his eye or not is a completely different story. But the narrative of LeBron James the last couple of years has really taken a wide turn for better or for worse. But is let's let's hear your final take. What did you make of that whole entire uh, malice of the palace part too? Yeah, like I thought Isaiah uh, Stewart's um... – his, his impression of Brock Lesnar was very good, you know, um, you know, and like you said, with LeBron's uh, suspension, it was definitely damage control. Um, he should have gotten at least the same amount of games as Isaiah Stewart, in my opinion, because the games weren't really, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a loss, but it's not a major loss as far as I see it. 
Now the fine that Isaiah Stewart got, that is pretty major, you know, considering his salary, I believe it's $3 million on his contract. Um, and, you know, you take into account taxes. So he's probably down to like 1.5 million and you find him 900 something thousand. So that's like his full, almost his full years of salary. Is it justified? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. I mean, because, you know, you've been, you endangered some of the workers pushing everybody over. If it was just a scuffle and, you know, he was trying to get to LeBron and he walked away the initial time that, yeah, that fine would be excessive, but then him going around trying to come back, you know, that was a bit excessive. It was fun to watch. And um, I don't blame him so much because, you know, you taste your own blood and, you know, it, it sets something off, you know, but you can't mm -hmm. do that and expect to get away with it. So, they had to do what they did. It was definitely a hefty uh, punishment, though, on Isaiah Stewart. I'm not surprised LeBron didn't get the same amount of games, but he should have. Did you see the the security guard that was trying to – he was on the court. They've got Isaiah Stewart running, and all of the <laughs> Detroit Pistons players are trying to stop him. Cade Cunningham's over there trying to wrap him up. That security guard did like, I do not get paid enough for this. And he just kind of hit. It was kind of hilarious. I mean, to me, it's just funny watching like a six foot eight, 250 pound man run. And like, what is, what is the security supposed to do? Stop him? The dude's like five nine, one eighty. It's not <laughs> happening. You need a full grown, full grown Literally. NBA athletes can't tackle this dude. And I hope to God that that guy did not get his job, like responsibilities taken away. Because if I'm there and I'm getting paid what a security guard in an NBA game gets paid and that man runs at me, you better believe I'm a turnstile. There's no way I'm there's no way I'm trying to get in front of that man. I'll take a charge before I even try to tackle him. There's nothing he can do. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> What's interesting too is and a lot of people don't really recognize this is Isaiah Stewart, you guys realize he's only 20 years old and he's out here picking a fight with a 36-year-old, you know, NBA champion, one of the best players in NBA history. I think I'm on the same page with with Is, where I think LeBron James probably deserved, you know, another game tacked on. They probably should have each gotten two. Uh, you're sort of nitpicking right there. I would have been very surprised if one of them or both of them weren't suspended for an incident like that. But you can almost make a whole entire like WWE pay-per-view event between yeah. Isaiah Stewart and versus LeBron James. And then you can also throw on uh, a tag team match of Jokic and his brothers going up against, uh, you know, the, the Morris brothers. So, I mean, it, it would be, oh, it'd be entertaining for sure. I'm saying make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Let's do it. On NBA, get them on the Jake Paul <laughs> undercard. There you go. It'll, really it'll be a that. celebrity boxing match one day. Give it time. There you, go. you know what? Honestly, um, I love Isaiah Stewart. He's a great NBA player, but I'd be much in more interested in him if he decided to retire today and become a boxer. I feel like that's a better <laughs> career choice for him. 6'8", 250, that's perfect. He can yeah. fit right into the heavyweight title. He might run a little bit hey, more muscle and not run four miles a day on the court. But, I mean, damn, that would be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd love to see that. And him and James Johnson would be a tag, uh, ability to, to fight like that. And, and you gotta appreciate the the guts to go after LeBron James like that. Even though I feel like it was mostly rage more than anything, but you know, hey, you gotta give it. I mean, he deserved what he got, but you know, I don't. It's not like I'm not gonna villainize him for it, but 
yeah, everything went about as well as it should have. Yeah, and I remember too, I mean, Gary makes a good point. I don't know why this reminded me of this, but when the incident actually happened, Gary said, oh, well, if you retire, then you should go into boxing. But I remember when the incident first happened, all of the Twitter comments were saying "Are they were tagging the Detroit Lions looking for a pass rusher the way he was getting through, getting through everybody over there. So, I mean, if boxing doesn't work out and, you know, basketball doesn't work out, I'm sure the Lions, you know, could use somebody on that call dan campbell they need the help there you go (laughs) yeah listen guys this has been a great episode we're five episodes in now uh it felt really good to get back in the mix with you guys obviously um with everything going on it's gonna be really exciting be sure to tune in each monday 4 p.m eastern and we'll check in with you guys next time let's go Knicks. (laughs) god (laughs) it's the only way to end it